On this episode of Blue 58, a former member of the Packers front office has some crucial insight on how the Packers might hire their next coach. What does Andrew Brandt tell us about the Packers coaching search and where will Mike McCarthy ultimately land? Plus, why the Packers have a hard decision to make on Tremont Williams this spring. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdick. I'm very excited to be with you here. Got a lot to talk about, so let's get right down to it. Coaching. It's going to be all coaching here for a long time. Got to talk about coaching. Got to talk about coaching candidates. Got to talk about how the Packers may hire their next head coach. Got an interesting article this week, today, in fact, from Andrew Brandt, the former He's the former rush ball of the Packers. You probably know him if you spend any amount of time on the internet for the Packers, and chances are you've heard of him even if you haven't. If you're not familiar with the online stylings of Andrew Brandt, picture if your dad was an accountant, but also a former very uh, powerful sports executive, and he makes cheesy jokes. That is Andrew Brandt. All that to say, even if he's a little bit cheesy or hokey sometimes, which I think he would admit... He's got some interesting insight just by the very fact that he's been in the building for the Packers for a long time. Not anymore, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't be saying these things, but he can give us a little bit of an insight into how the Packers are going to go about this process. So let's dive into this article that he published for Sports Illustrated today. I want to talk about three key paragraphs and what that tells us about how the Packers could proceed here. First, he touches on the last coaching decision the Packers made. Quote, McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, won the tiebreaker over Sean Payton due to the primary differentiator that he had worked for the Packers before, coaching our quarterbacks group in 1999. That familiarity with the team and the unique community gave Mike the nod over Payton, who told us how much he wanted the job. End quote. The McCarthy-Payton situation in 2006 is a key moment in Packers history, and it's kind of always, to me, going to be one of the great untold stories in Packers history. What could have been if Sean Payton became the head coach in 2006 instead of Mike McCarthy? We're never going to know, obviously, and trying to figure it out is pretty much impossible because of all the variables. I mean, Sean Payton gets hired. The Packers probably go in some different directions on personnel. They probably hire some different assistant coaches. They just have a different overall philosophy under Peyton than they do under McCarthy. Not better or worse necessarily, just different. And for instance, that comes into play on the Favre-Rogers situation in 2008. How does Sean Payton handle that? I don't know if you have a good answer there, but that's a, that's a key, key consideration. Continuing on in the Brandt piece, quote, Mike also had good emotional intelligence. He never got too high or too low. He knew the limited impact of cursing and screaming if it wasn't used selectively. He rarely went off on those rants. He also highly valued work-life balance, more so after meeting and marrying a woman born and raised in Green Bay. They were set up by John Schneider, with whom he inherited and added to a family. Mike gave his staff ample time away in the offseason and reaped the benefits of great loyalty and trust. He also understood his role as coach and deferred to Thompson on personnel and offseason acquisitions. End quote. I don't think McCarthy gets enough credit for being an actual person instead of a walking cliche machine. Uh, You see a lot of football coaches who don't get that part of it. They're just these hard-nosed guys 
the they they're football robots and they may get results but I don't feel like they get as consistent of results if they don't really understand how to grasp that human elements element and that applies to both players and their families all of those off the field factors are important to consider and I think Mark, Mike McCarthy got that better than most it wasn't perfect. There were some examples that you can look back to, and I don't really want to dive into that now because I don't think it's germane to our point. But there, there were times when he maybe didn't follow through as, as thoroughly off the field as he should have, and that may have hurt certain players. But I think overall, he was good at that part of the job, and it is part of the job. One more insight from Brent. Quote, my sense is that the Packers have their eye on a candidate that they wanted to contact now someone not currently working for an NFL team, rather than having to wait until January. Absent a candidate outside the league, why make this move now to simply interview NFL candidates under contract until after the season? I believe they did not want to reach out to a candidate while Mike had the position. They do not know who that candidate might be, but it's likely a college coach who has time to interview before heavy bowl game slash college playoff preparation begins in a week or so, end quote. This, I think, is pretty similar to what I've argued with a couple exceptions. Starting the process now is a real thing. Jay Glazer downplayed that pretty heavily for Fox. I've seen a couple other people downplay that, but it is a thing. If anything else, if nothing else, I guess, it gives you extra time to think about this decision. One that you absolutely have to get right if you've got an all-time great quarterback on a, a wildly expensive contract approaching the end of his career. You do not have time to screw this up for a couple of years and try again in 2020 or whatever. You got to get this right now and it's got to be right the first time and it has to work early. Why not give yourself as much time as possible? Where I think I differ a little bit from Andrew Brandt is the college coach who's in bowl preparation mode. I mean, the bulls aren't that far away. Even some of the pre, the, the bigger New Year's Eve or New Year's Day bowls are not all that far away. We're less than three weeks away from the end of the end of the year here. That stuff is coming up fast and they're in bowl preparation mode now. But ultimately, that's a pretty small quibble. And I think overall, this paints a pretty good picture of someone the Packers might be interested in. I think it gives us three pretty clear factors. You're looking for a guy who has one, Packers connections, two, emotional intelligence, and three is a guy they might want to try to get right now. So a guy who's available either as a college coach or, um, well, we'll unveil that second category here in a second. Really, it, it just kind of eliminates guys who are coordinators for NFL teams right now. So of the people that I think we broadly consider high-level candidates, and I say broadly because I don't think we can be super specific right now. I think those three considerations narrows the field to two guys. Northwestern University head coach Pat Fitzgerald and Packers interim head coach Joe Philbin. You probably guessed that second one based on the title of this episode, but let's pretend it was a surprise. Before we dive into the analysis to the analysis here, this is not a value judgment. I don't want to comment on whether I think Fitzgerald or Philbin is good or bad right now. I think we're a ways away from that. We've got to get some people who are actually interviewing for this job before we can figure that out. 
Right now, I'm only concerned about who is likely or not and trying to cross people off the list if we can. This is not necessarily crossing people off the list, but I do think it elevates a couple guys to the top of the list. I also don't want to talk about Pat Fitzgerald because similarly to what I said earlier, he's not technically on the market right now. I do have a pretty high degree of confidence that the Packers could get an interview done with him right now, relatively secretly, especially given Mark Murphy's connections to Northwestern, being the former athletic director there. But I I don't really want to spend a lot of time on Fitzgerald. So why Philbin? Why does he fit these considerations so well? Well, the Packers' connections are pretty obvious, but they run deep. He came on board with the Packers in 2002 um, under Mike Sherman and has climbed the ranks there since then, minus a five-year stint where he was in Miami and then Indianapolis, or six-year. Depends how you count, I guess. That doesn't really depend how you count, but I don't care to look up the exact information. If only there was some worldwide network of information that we could access literally anywhere that could confirm that for us. Oh, well, since there's not. He, he has Packers connections. That should be pretty obvious, especially by the fact that he is actually has the word Packers in his job title right now. Emotional intelligence. I would point you to a quote from Joe Philbin when he took over in Miami, kind of explaining his philosophy of how he's going to coach guys. Quote, we're going to be demanding, not demeaning. So we're going to coach these guys extremely hard and be very detail-oriented. Going to be thorough, but not going to leave any stone unturned to help these guys develop and get better. And at the same time, we want to enjoy the relationship, enjoy the ride while we're doing it. End quote. There's all sorts of quotes like this, both, both from Philbin, from people around Philbin, from players. He seems to understand how to relate to guys. It hasn't necessarily always translated to results on the field. You look at his tenure in Miami, and the and the the Dolphins were not great while he was there. They were uh, they were above five hundred for just nineteen of something like fifty one regular season weeks that he was the head coach. Not super great. The results are not necessarily there, even as a Packers offensive coordinator. I mean, even this year, it hasn't been super great. You can wonder about what kind of significance he had in his role here pretty fairly, but ultimately, this season at least, the results haven't been great. Well, there were some record-setting seasons from 2009 to 2011 or so. 2008 wasn't great. 2007 was pretty good. So a mixed bag, I guess. But everybody who talks about Joe Philbin seems to like him as a person and relate to him well as a person, and that's a significant consideration here. And finally, there's the aspect of of being available right now. Brant touched on this in, in a couple different ways, but I think that availability right now, being in the building right now, is important. Philbin is getting an extended job interview right now. He's got a month of coaching this team before anybody else gets to talk with anybody in the building about how they might do things in 2019 and beyond. The same things that apply to those external potentially college candidates apply to Philbin. And by making him that interim head coach, you get an extra few weeks to think about the idea of Joe Philbin being your head coach. And maybe getting used to the idea of Joe Philbin being the head coach. The Packers are pretty change averse. And if they get comfortable with the idea of Joe Philbin, Green Bay Packers head football coach, 
there, I think, with every week that goes by and every bit of success that he has becomes an increasing chance that maybe they just decide this isn't the worst thing in the world. We can live with this. I am worried about the Packers deciding they can live with something. And that is the drawback to Philbin. And that is the drawback to familiarity. There is that saying that familiarity breeds contempt. But it also lets you kind of get used to things that maybe you shouldn't. It's the the frog in the boiling pot of water analogy. Which isn't true, by the way. Frogs will jump out of pots of hot water if they start to get too hot. They won't just boil to death. Um, But the, the sentiment of that analogy is well taken. Familiarity can cut both ways. It can, it can make you more upset with somebody than you probably should be, or you can, it can cause you to look over things that you probably shouldn't. I think we've all gotten used to things that we probably shouldn't. A relationship that maybe isn't great. A job that isn't a good fit for us, but it you know pays well. Plus, I, I don't want to go through the hassle of interviewing for a new job. Maybe I'd have to move. Maybe a living situation. Well, this house isn't ideal, but it has its merits. And plus, it's a hassle to pack up all your stuff. Boy, I got a lot of analogies related to moving. Maybe I've done it too much. I think I've definitely done it too much. Whatever it is, just because you're around it all the time, you can tend to get used to things that maybe you shouldn't, and that can be bad. Change can be valuable in that respect. Sometimes you need that wildfire to clean out all the the undergrowth and stuff like that that's causing the forest to not grow like it should. There is benefit to burning everything down now and then. And I think that could be what the Packers really have to do. But because he's in the building, because he's available now, because he has those characteristics that the Packers may value, according to Andrew Brandt, I think that makes Joe Philbin a legitimate candidate. Not necessarily the right one, not necessarily a good one, but I think, like it or not, he is one. And that's something we're going to have to see play out over the next month or so. Now, maybe the Packers get shellacked against Chicago on Sunday, then they lose their next one of their next two games, both of their next two games. Heck, even if they win their next two games, maybe the, the Chicago game just puts puts a nail in the coffin for Joe Philbin. Who knows? But I think there is a case to be made for him being a realistic contender for this job. What about Mike McCarthy? We got a good question from a reader this week named Edward. I believe. Again, don't want to look it up. I've got it in my notes here. Got the question in my notes, but not the name. But he asks a good question about where Mike McCarthy is going to land. He says, The discussion about the Packers' next coach is fun, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on where Mike McCarthy lands. Cleveland or Jacksonville seems likely. Cleveland has a Green Bay connection and seems to like our cashed-off. It also makes a sense as a way to inject excitement into a moribund franchise by associating with a successful former coach. He has a promising young quarterback to groom, and he's close to home and in the same division as his hometown Steelers. A lot of good points there that I think would make Cleveland a relatively good fit. Mike McCarthy may not be super interested, but just let, let's just play it out as to whether or not he'd be, be a fit. Uh, I think he does make a lot of sense for the reasons the, the, the reader lays out here. But thinking about McCarthy and the things that he does well during the game on Sunday... I started to wonder if maybe Atlanta might also be a good fit for him. And this is just spitballing. I don't know if Atlanta's going to have an opening or if McCarthy would even be interested. But if you subscribe to the idea that McCarthy's offense 
and the success of his offense is predicated on having a lot of high-end talent, particularly at receiver, in place to run it, I seem I think that seems like a pretty ideal fit for him. Dan Quinn doesn't seem to have a lot of job security going on, and the Falcons definitely have a lot of high-end offensive talent. Matt Ryan is a former MVP. Stole it from Aaron Rodgers that year, but whatever. Um, they've got Julio Jones, a world-destroying wide receiver. Mohamed Sanu is no slouch. Calvin Ridley's not bad for a rookie, and he's getting better. He'll, he, he looks like the sort of guy who's only going to get better. So it seems like that could be a good fit. Jacksonville, I'm less convinced. Just And I, I think that's a, a McCarthy situation, just not being super interested there. They seem to be a ways away, and they don't seem to be a, a tailor-made fit for the things that he does well with an offense. The reader does float a good idea here. And I think kind of unintentionally, but let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers just for a second. Mike McCarthy obviously is a Pittsburgh guy. Pittsburgh is very like Green Bay in that they value their tradition and their continuity and things like that. That's why Mike Tomlin's been the head coach for so long. I think they've only had two head coaches at least that I can remember, maybe in my entire lifetime. I'd have to look exactly when Bill Cowher became the head coach. But they... they don't change things a whole lot in Pittsburgh, is the point. If they need somebody who can run a good offense, who has a good offense, relatively good offense, it might be Mike McCarthy. He's got those Pittsburgh connections. I'm sure he would enjoy the opportunity to coach his hometown team. Plus, it's where he's from, and home is always great. If he doesn't end up being a head coach, I think McCarthy could land somewhere as a consultant or a coordinator, a lot like Mike Pettin did um, when he was out of coaching for a year or two. Uh, You see somebody like Bill Belichick do this a lot. He brings out-of-work coaches in and kind of helps them rehab their image a little bit, gives them stuff to do, uh, and picks their brains a little bit. Bill Belichick respects the idea, well, not the idea, uh, the knowledge of other coaches, I think, as well as any coach in the league. And any idea that he can get, any edge that he can get, is something that he's going to pursue. So maybe, knowing that he's a fan of Mike McCarthy, McCarthy takes a year and does a coaching internship or something like that with the uh, with the Patriots. I don't mean internship literally, I just mean that he kind of operates as a consultant or something like that. Dom Capers did that for a while. Sean Payton might try something similar. He seems to be a pretty big fan of Mike McCarthy. And was pretty outspoken about the Packers firing Mike McCarthy. Said they didn't go about it the right way. Maybe he does something to what Bill Belichick does, or similar to what Belichick does, and brings McCarthy in. I think there is a role out there for him. Plus, there's always the the opportunity for Mike McCarthy to just say, "Nah, you know what? I'm just going to wait it out a little bit. Maybe I won't coach for a year. Maybe I won't coach for two years. Hey, I'm 55. Kids are growing up. Maybe I just won't coach again." He probably has enough money to get it done between now and the end of his life. Mike McCarthy seems to be a pretty stable, steady guy. I'm sure he could get work if he wanted to, but I'm not sure he needs to get the work. And if you don't need it, there's got to be at least something of an appeal to not working at all. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think he does end up coaching somewhere. If not in 2019, certainly in 2020. He's too good a coach. For his, for all his warts as a coach, he's too good a coach to not work, and I think he will end up working somewhere. Brian asks, 
And a good question that I hadn't really thought about a whole lot, kind of just took this as a matter of course, but uh, he actually asked three questions here. Please rate how Tremont Williams is doing at safety. Do you think the Packers will use him there next year? Do you think Tremont will even be with the Packers next year? Well, let's answer each three of the each of those three questions. First, how's he doing? I think pretty good. That's mostly anecdotal, kind of a feel thing. Since on the whole, the Packers really haven't been great over the few weeks since he switched to safety, but on the whole, I think it, it's not too bad. If you look at his individual stats, it's really hard to draw out any sort of difference between when he was playing safety and when he was playing corner, so that's hard to do. The advanced stats are hard to find on on what sort of impact he's having. But if you look at one very specific stat, and this, just take this with an enormous grain of salt, but Pro Football Reference runs a stat called um, expected points added. Basically, or expected percentage added, rather. Win percentage added. That's what I'm going for. Um, Basically, it's a, a measure of how much a particular unit contributes to an overall win or loss effort. How it's calculated is not super important for our discussion here. We just want to look at the raw numbers. Pre-Tremont Williams switching to safety, the Packers' defensive EPA was minus 4.49. Not great. You want to be at or above zero. After the Williams switch, they're down to a minus 5.74. Not great either, because you want to be positive. But that pre-Williams switch, that pre-switch to safety for Tremont Williams, the Packers had one monster game where their defense was just phenomenal. And that was the game where they shut down the Buffalo Bills. If you take that out of consideration, before Williams switched to safety, the Packers rating on that side of the ball was minus 8.75. So if you look at it from that perspective, not counting the game where they took advantage of a really bad rookie quarterback, it seems like the Packers' defense was better after Williams made the switch. Again, take that with a huge grain of salt. I'm not even entirely sure that I'm explaining that particular metric entirely right. But there are some statistical hints that the Packers might be a little bit better on defense with Williams at safety. Again, anecdotally, it just feels like they're better, a little bit more stable with him back there. That's not to say that there haven't been bad times with him at safety. In his first game back there, he had a pretty bad angle on a long touchdown to Josh Gordon against the Patriots. He also was a little slow getting over on a key late deep catch by Tyler Lockett in the Seahawks game. But overall, you haven't seen those back-breaking giant missed opportunities or bad plays with him back in the back half of the secondary. So it's hard to rule out that they've been better with him back there. At the very least, he seems to have been a stabilizing influence. Second question, do you think the Packers will use him there next year? I do. He's under contract for next season, and I think he could be something of a bridge player between the current Packers safety group and the safety group that they would like to have. If the Packers draft a safety next year, next spring, in 2019, or if they sign someone, they're still going to need some help on the back end. 
say they sign Landon Collins and he's dealing with an injury so he's not back to 100% at the start of next season or around training camp, they're still going to need competent bodies in the back half of their secondary. That person could be Tremont Williams, kind of providing a bridge between where they are now and where they'd ultimately like to be. You'd kind of see his playing time dwindle over the course of the season as they more fully integrate their young players or their increasingly healthy players into the safety group. This could have been what Morgan Burnett did for the Packers defense this year as they sort of transition towards those younger, more athletic guys in the secondary. But the final question is the key one. Do you think Tremont will even be with the Packers next year? I think that's trickier, or at least more of a question than I had considered to this point. In 2019, his cap hit is almost going to double from what it was this year. He counted $3.6 million against the 2018 cap. For 2019, that number is up to $6.3 million. Furthering that question, it would cost very little to cut him if that's something the Packers decide they want to do. He would count he would count just one point six million, a little bit more than that, against their cap in dead money next year, but they would recoup four point seven five million dollars in cap space. That's not inconsiderable. And with the cap going up, as we've learned late today, that would give the backers just a little bit more cap room as they try to maybe bring in some free agents or lock up some of their own guys. Every little bit counts when you're trying to do that. And if it's not a guy who's going to be, or if Williams isn't a guy who's going to be in your long-term plans anyway, maybe you consider making that move. I don't know, but I think it's worth exploring. So I can't say for sure that Williams is going to be back next year. I think I would expect him to be, but there is a question as to whether or not he will be because of those cap savings. It's not impossible. I'm not going to say it's likely that he gets cut but it's a non-zero chance, I'll say that. So keep an eye on that as we go through the rest of this season and into the 2019 offseason. While I've got you here, wanted to offer myself up to you. Do you have a podcast? Do you need guests for your podcast? I would be more than happy to talk with you, appear with you, if that's something that you need. That's I've been of the philosophy even more so since we did our annual Packers content creator survey earlier this year that a rising tide needs to carry all boats. And I think if there's something we can do to help each other, if there's something I can do to help you either this season or throughout the off season, I'd like to do that. Um, Let me know if there's something we can do. Let me know if you need somebody to appear on your podcast. I would be more than happy to do that. I bring this up because today I heard from a podcast slash content creator for the Packers in a part of the former USSR. That's how he identified himself. And he just wanted to reach out and say hi and say that it was great to hear about for, from another or about another Packers podcaster on the other side of the world. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I think we're a community of people. If you are in the market to do something like this, that we should uh, try to support each other however we can. And to that point, If you have ever thought about starting something like a Packers podcast or a Packers blog or a Packers newsletter or a podcast or blog or newsletter or whatever, ebook, art project, something like that, about something that's close to your heart, 
Here's what I would say to you as we approach the season of, of New Year's resolutions and things like that. Do it. Just start it and see what happens. There's plenty of space on the internet. Fire it out there, see what happens. If at the end of the day, it doesn't work out, nobody listens to it, so what? Do it for yourself first and foremost. That's the best writing or production advice that I ever got. Do it for yourself. Make a show that you would listen to. Write a blog post that you would read. See what happens. And if you need somebody to help out, let me know. I'd be more than happy to do it. That's all I've got for you on this particular episode. You can find us, as you always do, at thepowersweep.com and on Facebook and on Twitter. If you'd like to reach out to us, as so many of you have, via email, the address is thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. You can support us, if you would be so willing, via Patreon at patreon.com slash thepowersweep or by buying one of our fabulous t-shirts or sweatshirts at teespring.com. Click the shop link at thepowersweep.com to find your way there. And as always, the freest and easiest way to support us is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on the podcast listening platform of your choice. Helps more people find the show, and uh, it, it's very gratifying in a lot of ways to, to read those reviews. So, so keep it up. We do love to hear from you in that, in that feed, uh, field. We do love to hear from you in any way that you choose to reach out. Any feedback or thoughts or questions or comments you give us helps us make this entire operation better. It helps us all become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Blue 58.